What's up, friend? How have you been? Fred? Friend. Oh. <laughs> Fred. What's up, Fred? No, okay. I'm, I'm not to the point to... I know Fred is becoming fit right now, but I'm not to the point to call you Fred yet. Because everyone, every time I meet people, they're always like, hey, Michelle, how's Fred? <laughs> yeah, the guy's such a legend and a rock star anyway. It's, uh, yeah. Everyone... yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I, I'm always busy, but like slowly but surely doing well. I'm enjoying the new reality of working from home, and I feel like I've gotten a handle over that situation. How are you? Same here. I mean, I'm getting acquainted with all of this situation. This week was kind of a breakout for me. I, I don't know. I just felt good in the beginning of the week for the first time. It seems like spring is here in Montreal, you know, uh, hotter days, longer days. We can walk outside having just a t-shirt. So it, yeah. it, it felt good for my soul. I mean, after, uh, after winter and after all of this thing, um, uh being thrown to us felt really good so uh it was it was just good to uh yeah just go outside and not feel bad about it you know you don't yeah. go outside just feeling like an outlook as you're stepping foot outside of the door so yeah. uh yeah there's a lot of tension in the air right now i feel like it's like it's really nice out we're in the seventh or eighth week actually we're starting like the eighth week of our confinement and the government started to talk about deconfining and it feels like everyone's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm out. And, and there's, and so a little bit of frustration anyway, on my part, cause it's like, they're talking about reopening certain businesses. Our business isn't in there. And it's like, okay, it's coming, it's coming. And it feels so close, but really it's probably going to be like another four weeks. It's a big duality. You're right. There's tension and there's duality because there's like pro deconfinement. They're pro confinement. Uh, it's the same thing with the 5G debate. There's pro 5G. There's uh, totally against. People that are against 5G saying it's dangerous. So we're in the midst of that. And that duality is, I don't know, it's interesting to see that. I mean, I feel like a couple of hundred years ago people were fighting over religion like now we fight over 5g and we fight over uh, uh nutritional uh nutritional uh beliefs like uh the vegan versus the versus the omnivores versus whatever uh, anything <laughs> well i don't know if we don't fight about religion anymore but <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it was the main focus, I, I'm sure. But I wasn't there, but I'm sure it was the main focus a couple of hundred years uh, ago. Anyway, yeah. this week we have a ray of sunshine on the podcast, Mr. Uh, yeah. Velna. Patrick Velner. And I'm not saying uh, he's a ray of sunshine because of his red hair, uh, <laughs> but mainly because of his personality. It, 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 feels good, uh, it feels good to have a chat with such a i mean the way i see him is such a positive guy that's how that's always how i i, I known him in the past years oh man it's it's funny you say that so i know him as a cynical guy um but, <laughs> well but, but he is positive in the sense that he is resilient and he fights hard for what he wants and he's a go-getter 
and he he's the demonstration that like if you want it hard enough you'll you'll go get it and you'll figure out ways to do it and he does it so easily so he's a very positive influence in that way yeah absolutely and the guy uh i mean except when he has his swole face on uh then he much more looks like grumpy cat or meep in the muppets uh the guy's always smiling and um as you say it, it seems like everything he touches turns into gold the guy's a chiropractor uh multiple time podium finisher in crossfit so and uh, all around nice guy too so i think that yeah 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 it's gonna be fun to to get in touch with him and talk about other things than training <laughs> yeah of course of course finally finally we can talk about something else so uh have a good day i know you're a busy bee these days i feel like you're doing three things nowadays you work a lot you run a lot and then you have a glass of wine i feel like this a is lot. your schedule <laughs> a lot <laughs> i didn't want to say a lot <laughs> but i feel that i drink what i would consider to be normal person drinking but what in the fitness industry maybe a little bit too excessive but at the beginning of the confinement it was intense and now it's kind of settled in it's kind of settled down a little bit raise your hand if you have not been excessive in a lot of things <laughs> no, no one will raise their hand so it's okay you experiment it and it, if it feels good for you right now that's all that matters So, uh, let's go back to work, uh, go back to, uh, running and drinking and having yeah. fun and, uh, everyone, thank you for being uh, with us here. I hope you enjoy our chat with Mr. Patrick Vellner. Yes. Thank you very much. So Pat, you know what I just brought Michelle and, uh, Fred by leaving it on their porch and, uh, this morning as a little, uh, I don't know, uplifting gift. No, what's that? I went to Arthur's and I grabbed some pancake batter and Oh, oh so that's what that thing is in the fridge. Fred didn't tell me by the way. Yeah, oh my god. Classic <laughs> for himself. Classic Fred is like, yeah, uh, no, that's nothing. It's uh, overnight oats or whatever. <laughs> oh, that, that's those cool. those like cottage cheese pancakes or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, they're Cerniki pancakes. Yeah, they're so good. Oh, it's crazy. Sold the batter. That's awesome. I'm yeah, they tomorrow. They actually do sell the batter and they, um, they, they just do it not even for profit. They take the money and they give it to their staff, the cooks and everything awesome. that are basically that have been furloughed in the yeah, past. Is that, so is that new as of lockdown that they're doing that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's, it's new. I, I hope yeah. they keep on doing it because, I mean, I, I don't think that um, – I don't think that in the near future uh, they, they can run 100%. Yeah. Uh, and I was craving these pancakes so bad, so I can't wait. R right after this interview, I'm actually going to make these bad boys. Uh, pancakes for lunch. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man. Pancakes, pancakes are one of the things that everyone, it's like donuts or bacon. Everyone loves them. And I'm like, yeah, they're okay. And really? the ones oh. at Arthur's Nosh, they're really good, but but they drain them in syrup. So I like when I had, when I tasted them, I was like, this is not good. Like, Ask I feel it like on I'm gonna side. get diabetes. I will say it's a it's like a guilty pleasure though, like because of stuff like that. I mean, it's it's a it's a syrup delivery mechanism. <laughs> so you just sort of we 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 actually lately have been having pancakes like once a week, maybe on Sundays, 
we'll just like I'll get up and make a bunch of pancakes and we'll have pancakes for breakfast and it's awesome and it's like that's like my rest day thing uh, my <laughs> favorite it. breakfast right now is a piece of like really good like a uh, sourdough bread with uh, peanut butter ricotta cheese and bananas okay, it's like my go-to good. breakfast right now it's so good nice oh yeah but yeah our pancakes just like they do bury you like i'll yeah i'll eat them and then i have to go lay down for a little bit (laughs) yeah i'll overdo it pancakes pancakes and naps yeah oh so you you have to have a nap after after, especially after these but they're so good and actually uh they make it the russian way like you said with the cottage cheese and egg whites and all that stuff so there's actually a good amount of protein I, i remember when i went to deliver some coffee at their 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 spot and you guys were sitting on the terrace. Uh, it was yeah. the only off day in the uh, training camp, and you, James, Laura, everyone were sitting there. Oh my God! Everyone James had pancakes. pancakes. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, everybody yeah. got them. I think we got a couple of things. A few of us would get like, I think everybody got pancakes, and then you'd you'd be like, every pair split some other dish as well. <laughs> we, we went we went for it that day. Yeah, but now James is vegan, so he cannot even have these pancakes anymore. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Um, Honestly, when I was uh, in uh, Australia, he's vegan, but we found this place in Melbourne called The Fourth Chapter that had vegan pancakes, and they were delicious. Yeah, I had some in London at the Breakfast Club in London with uh, vegan bacon also on top. They were pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I've since this since life. my trip We're so in Australia. Bait. Yeah, since my trip in Australia, I've actually switched to vegetarian. I haven't had any meat in like a month or so. And I had um the the uh veg the vegan bacon and it's just it's just ugh, it's not you don't good. like, like it. you're you're I don't, I don't like bacon. To... I don't like bacon. But like I just, I don't know, it's just like it's just like ex- excessive. Anything that's excessive. I mean, I I'm actually probably gonna create a scandal right there, but I prefer vegan bacon to actual bacon. Ooh. Yeah. yeah you're gonna get threats over that one. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, I, I'm probably gonna get cyber bullied about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Pat, Pat, let's get let's get to to the serious stuff. So, and and I'm I'm gonna talk about what this podcast is about because not a lot of people know like. Uh, we're we're in the. We're Is it really going to be serious though? <laughs> Not really, but serious <laughs> yeah, it has to be serious. If you laugh, then it's not going to be published. Yeah, we're not but here to have fun. No, this this podcast is about understanding people's um, paths. I don't want to say journey because it sounds so cheesy, but it's about people's paths through life. And, and we want to know basically how someone got to where they got. So a lot of the things that we do in life, people don't see the backstory. And we always wonder how certain people are so resilient and how certain people uh, manage to overcome adversity. Or, for example, they have this background that is completely non-related to what they do now. And you wonder how they got there, what decisions they made. And... How much was it gut feeling or planning or whatever? So nankurunaisa means um, it'll all be okay in the end. And it's a Japanese proverb that basically means if, you, if your will is in the right place and you put in the work to, to move forward, everything is going to be okay. It's a question of patience, 
will, um, and action um, all together into one, right? So Patrick Vellner, who is one of the most notorious CrossFit Games athletes that we know, a good friend of mine and Greg's, we want to know your backstory and we want to understand why are you so successful? And obviously this is not done. Like you're, you're not even 30 yet. And, and there's a lot to be done in your life, but how on earth does someone uh, finish a degree in chiropractic uh, uh, as a chiropractor um, finishes on the podium almost every single year he's competed at the CrossFit games. And, um, and then now recently engaged and living in Nanaimo, just living the dream. So how does one do that? And we're going we're gonna to not, not make this too big, but basically, Pat, tell us a little bit about um, your childhood and where you come from. Sure, yeah. So I think, um, so I grew up in, a, in like not a small, small town, but smaller relative to most places I've lived. And it's kind of funny. I think my time in the public eye, uh, I've always, I was living in Montreal and then I was living in Toronto. And so a lot of people think I'm from those places. Um, but I grew up in Alberta in a town called Red Deer, which is like 100,000 people. Um, my family's still there. My parents um, and my younger brother still live there. And it's kind of funny. I, I, I think I spent, I lived there till I was about 19, 20. And then I started my kind of voyage all over the country doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, and I, I feel like growing up, I was never someone who, who was like hell bent on leaving where they grew up. Uh, and I had some friends who were really that way, who were like, I can't wait to get out of here. This town, like, I just like, I feel like I need something bigger. And it's kind of funny. I feel like since I, I've been back, you know, in the last couple of years and most of my friends are still there. Uh, and everybody's kind of they, they or they went away for their education and then they came back and um, I think that there's you know there's some comfort in what you know but I, I don't know I always I kind of my I always thought that the best way to try to live is to have a long-term plan but not be so focused on it that you miss thing opportunities that might come up right so if you're so your blinders on the whole way through you might miss some really cool opportunities. And I, I kind of had some ideas of what I wanted to do. My older brother uh, moved away. He was an acrobat and he spent some time in, in Quebec as well. Uh, and so it was cool. I kind of had a, a role model as well that had, had moved around and done some things and, and broken the mold a little bit for me. So I went through school. I, I was primarily a gymnast and a lacrosse player, both sports, like an individual sport and a team sport that have taught me a lot of good things that I, I think as sports often do. Uh, a lot of good habits that have helped me be successful. But um, yeah, then I kind of, I had this very roundabout route to getting even to the education that I'm at. I, I spent, with I graduated high school, I went to Red Deer College for a couple of years while I was competing in gymnastics, went to UBC for a year, took a year off, went to McGill in Montreal for three years. Then I went to uh, my chiropractic college in Toronto for four years. So really did a lot of bouncing around, kind of pursuing education, but also pursuing lifestyle, like trying to decide where I want to go to school. And I think that uh, as a young person, I always looked at it as a cool opportunity to, to ex live another experience. Whereas, you know, I had a lot of, again, a lot of friends from young age who went to Edmonton or Calgary, which is like an hour away from where we grew up and they did their education there and they're great schools. But to me, that was like, it was like being home. Uh, and I, I, if you're going to be, 
a broke student. You might as well go be a broke student somewhere fun and somewhere, <laughs> fun and somewhere cool and like just live a different experience, right? Like, and I think it gives you permission to like rediscover yourself and reinvent yourself to a certain degree. Um, and there's a lot of freedom and like, it's, it's not comfortable necessarily, but there's a lot of freedom in going somewhere else where you don't really know anybody. Um, and just like learning more about who you are. So it was cool. I, my parents were super supportive about that. So we, I, I went and, and like I said, did, did parts of my education all over the country. I've had the opportunity to live all over the country and, and meet people from all over the place. Um, and then, yeah, in the end, we came back out to the West Coast. My fiance, Michelle, got her residency position as a doctor in Nanaimo. And so, yeah, now we're living on, on Vancouver Island, which is gorgeous and couldn't be much happier, I don't think. So we're, and again, we're still trying to just, I think both of us are really, we like to plan and have a safety net and have an idea of where we're going. So we're sort of, we've got a, a five-year plan and like a tentative direction we want to go, but we're not so dialed into that stuff that if another opportunity that looks really exciting or cool comes up, we can't pivot and, and explore that, right? And that's kind of how I've really tried to exist. And it's led me to some very interesting things like a career in CrossFit, which I never would have imagined is possible. Um, many what did ago. you study? What did you study? So you said that you went to UBC. What did you study in UBC for that year? Yeah, so I did... Um, when I was at, in Red Deer at the Red Deer College, that's sort of like a branch. It was at the time uh, like a branching out program where they couldn't, you couldn't finish, I don't think, certain full degrees there, but they would take you to U of A or something like that where you could do half your years at Red Deer and half your years at U of A. Um, so I did like two years there of just basically taking all core science classes and, um, and I was just competing in like training for gymnastics mostly. And then I went to U of A, uh, sorry, um, UBC in Vancouver. Uh, and at the time I was, I was thinking of pursuing a medical degree. So I, I went into an immunology and microbiology program there. Um, and I did that for a year and I just, the more I was thinking about it and then I was spending some time uh, speaking with people and that were taking that route and, and, you know, looking around the hospitals and stuff. I just like, I didn't think it was a good fit for me. And, and, it, and then if that, if I pursued that degree, the only other things that I could do with that are mostly research related. Mm. And I just wasn't really interested in doing a lot, being like a lab technician or doing a lot of research. I kind of prefer to deal with people. And um, I, so I, I just wanted to change it up. And I love, you know, biological sciences and things like that. So uh, I started looking more into like the manual therapist route of like physiotherapy, chiropractic, massage therapy, that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, at the time, the way that stuff was, I was kind of like waffling a bit too much and I, I missed deadlines to transit to, to like change my program over and stay at UBC. And I was still kind of just, I, I think like self-discovering and figuring out what I actually do want to do, which is hard when you want to like, you know, at, at like 18, 19 to just put yourself into like a four or five year track. Uh, it's a huge commitment. And I was just like, I don't know, like, I, I think this, but I'm not sure. So I actually took a year off then and I, I worked for half the year and then I traveled with my younger brother for uh, like four months. We spent in kind of like Southeast Asia area. We did a bunch oh, of wow. like Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia. Um, wow. So I did that. We were four months abroad, which was awesome. And just like, I don't know, gives you time to think a little bit about what you want. And uh, so then, yeah, I, I, and I had reapplied. And initially when I was applying to universities, I had applied to McGill as well. 
um, for different programs. But then I, I just like, I, I wanted to come to Montreal and spend some time there because it's a cool city. And I think it's a great place to be young and be a student. And so I was like, yeah. Why yeah. Not? And also I had done French immersion schooling growing up. So I had some French, but if you stay out West, there isn't a lot of opportunity to use it. Um, and I mean, you, you, I, I, most of my friends that I went to school with for, you know, 11, 12 years in French don't speak any French anymore. I bet you oh, a quarter yeah. of my class that I did French immersion with still speaks French. And most very of few people know that you have a very, very good fluent French still. Yeah. What yeah. I really appreciate from your French, Patrick, is that like a lot of people don't like to speak French because they don't like uh, the accent or they feel like they feel shy or whatever. And, and with you, it's just like, um, fuck it. You just talk <laughs> and you expect people to understand, which is fine, which is perfect. And people really appreciate that. So I've always felt that about your French. It's kind of, like, you know, what's funny is I think that that's, that's the hurdle with language that most people have to get over. Um, cause like, and, and what's funny is when you think about it from your native language, you don't, you don't really judge people on that stuff. Like if, yeah. if someone ha has immigrated to Canada and, you know, I'm, I'm just random, randomly talking to them in a coffee shop or something and they speak, you know, somewhat broken English. Like, I'm not like, Oh, that guy can barely speak English. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like this person's like, clearly this is not their first language. They, they speak another language. That's awesome. And you just like, you, you understand, like you make an effort to read between the lines and understand what they're saying. And then you just speak to them and like, yeah. they're, and great. Like, and it doesn't matter and nobody, but you get hung up on feeling embarrassed when you make a mistake. Um, yeah. I think that that's, and then you freeze up. Right. And then you, you go into your shell. And I think that that's where the mistake is, is most people stop trying because they're embarrassed to make a mistake. Yeah. But my, I, I've, I spent some time thinking about it. And obviously when I moved to Montreal, my, my French got significantly better in terms of being conversational, if I had to like write something or, you know, you know, like write an essay, I would be much worse now than I was when I was <laughs> writing an essay as a French speaker is hard. But, uh, oh. so, you know, yeah. my written production or yeah. things is, is awful, but I'm, I'm very conversational. And I think that that was something I had to learn to just become more comfortable with. Um, and the more people I got to know who are francophone and things like that, I just, you become a little more comfortable speaking. And, and I just reflected on it a few times and I was like, okay, well, how many times when I'm speaking English, my native language with friends, do I make a mistake? It like trip over my tongue and then I can't find the word. And, and then I just like, I just pick a new word or find another way to say what I'm trying to say. And I just keep going and nobody cares ever. And this is in your, in your first language. So I, I was just like, why is it any different? If you can't figure out the word or you don't know it, you just, you, you like, maybe you have to find another like roundabout way to do it. Very interesting <laughs> but, that you're bringing that understand. up. People understand yeah. and they, they make an effort and I think it's, it's totally okay. And yeah, I don't know, as far as accent, I don't know if I can help that. <laughs> well, uh, it's very interesting that you're bringing that up as a non, I mean, you're, you're doing it professionally as interviews and maybe in French or English or, and we, as soon as we speak with microphones, as soon as we speak publicly, we automatically expect us to be perfect. Like we expect us to, be, and when you realize, uh, I've been listening a lot of Joe Buck's podcast uh, recently, and the guy is hosting the NFL and the MLB on Fox. And 
he fucks up every week. And I mean, everyone is, everyone is, and no one is perfect. And when you realize these people do it and you just have the confidence to just saying, yeah, and laugh about it. At first, I mean, as an MC, I'm commentating everything that's going on live and it happens yeah. to trip over what I'm saying. I mean, my first language is French. So even my accent, I was judging myself and people actually thought it was very cool to have someone with a Canadian accent yeah. describing everything. Yeah. And also, you re and I realized it when I was in London with in the UK, I mean, people there in every different street have a different accent. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So everyone in the world has a different accent. So might as well just celebrate it and not yeah. judging everyone. You know? I believe in it's general. celebrate it. <laughs> I think oh, in general, people <laughs> want to be able to communicate, right? Like you're not, Yeah. I don't know. And I, that's kind of, people want to be able to connect. So if you're able to connect with people, even like partially broken, like they, there's some appreciation there just even for the effort. And it's, oh, yeah. I think yeah. it's very rare that you'll find somebody who will hear you speak and, and struggle through a sentence in another language and then judge you for it. Especially, <laughs> especially in Montreal. I mean, uh, in, in Quebec, uh, I mean, look at the Montreal Canadiens player. Everyone now is celebrating because Brendan Gallagher is having French lessons during this quarantine. <laughs> And if you talk about Koivu, who was our captain for, what, 13 years, the first thing everyone says is like, this fucker never learned French. Everyone's like judging him about it. So as soon as you speak French, even if yeah. your French is not good, which is not your case, everyone will just be so happy that you're doing that. Yeah. I think that um, what, what I find really remarkable is that I think one of the things that, Pat, you do really well is that you're like a demonstration of resilience. And I think everyone understands that based on the 2018 CrossFit Games. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's very clear. And resilience is kind of that gut um, uh, intention or, or how would you say that? Like you're able to just move forward and we're gonna take French as an example. You'll be able to talk in French and if you make a mistake, it's no biggie. And, and that's demonstration of, a, of flexibility and, and that's how you learn, right? And I just found, I, I've, I've always found it very demonstrative, the fact that you are so unshy of speaking French. I've always found that to be a very, um, very clear example of, of how you deal with things. And so to me, it makes it, makes a very, it's, it, makes it very clear why you know, why certain people like you have so much success It's because like this fear or this embarrassment of being somewhat different or having an accent or making mistakes is, is non, is almost not present. Um, I, I'm curious. Um, so you studied in Montreal for three years and then you went to Toronto and um, during the time in Toronto, you were kind of faced with a very difficult situation because you're, you're in a situation, you have four, how many, you had four roommates? Uh, yes, well, no, I, we were four. Okay, so you had three roommates, four in a house. You yeah. guys are a house that <laughs> accepts dogs, Yeah. right? Like you foster yeah, dogs we, while we people dogs are on that. vacation. And you're trying to, to achieve, is it, it's a doctorate in chiropractic? Yeah, doctor of chiropractic, okay. yeah. Doctor of chiropractic um, degree. And then you somehow managed to, within that span of four years, 
you've had two second place, no, one third place finish, a second place finish, and then what else? Well, I guess fourth slash third and 17. Yeah. Because that would have been Oh, yeah, 17. 17. So, third, so, second, and second. Yeah. No, you got you got third, okay? Um, third, so you got third in 17. Third you got second in 18. And then in 2019, we had that, that year. But then what, where did you place in 2016? That is actually the funniest moment it could ever be. We have an athlete that doesn't remember his placing in the games. We have her co uh, his coach not remembering it. And a Wait, professional... Professional CrossFit Media, not remembering it at all. That's uh, perfect, guys. I was, 17, I, was, I was fourth and then got bumped to third. 18, I was yeah. second. 19, I was 16th, I think. Yeah, but 2016, yeah. we weren't. I wasn't your coach yet. So where did you – you got like third or fourth, no? I was third, yep. Yeah. So three podium finishes and then 2016 being what it was, a, a pretty decent showing um, nonetheless. So how, like, tell me about the hard times because the, the good times are, are somewhat easy to, to kind of go through. Like everyone goes through good times pretty easily. Like they're important to remember and they're important to, to, uh, to keep in mind. But in those hard times, I think that's where people struggle a lot. Um, it's like they want, to, they want to go through hard times to achieve something, but once they're in it, they don't realize what it is right? You're in hard times and you're like, oh, this is hard. Uh, is it really worth it? Blah, blah. You start asking yourself questions. But then when you get out of that, either because you decided to stop or because you decided to continue, then you could realize that those are the struggles that everyone talks about to be resilient. What were those times for you and how did you deal with them? I think one of the hardest things that people, people when it comes to, you know, tolerating a, a large investment phase, for some sort of form of success is that um, the investment and like the struggle phase is, is long and the, the successful, like whatever moments are very fleeting. Uh, yeah. It's difficult is that I think you're like, you know, you, you might not realize it like all this time that you've spent building something. And then when you're there like that, you stand on that podium for like two minutes and then you're like, you're done and it's gone. And then you have just to think about it. But at that point, when you look back on the struggle, it's fine. Like you don't remember it. It doesn't hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So though it's, it's interesting how, how that, that sort of relationship is, um, especially in our sport where there's like, you know, things, things don't last very long. And I feel like even the memory in sport is very short in most sports, but it's, it's funny. Like, I don't know. It, it was tough. Like the, I think that for me, the balance of training in school was difficult, but it was at sometimes it was, it was kind of something that made me sane. Uh, and it, like it just sort of made me happy because I always have been involved in sport. And so, you know, having retired from my like traditional sports, it was nice to have an outlet to compete and do something and build towards something. Uh, and it was also completely different from my education. So whereas I, I don't even know, honestly, what a lot of my colleagues were doing all the time, because people seem to be studying 100% of the time. Like, and I, I don't know how, how. It, it seems to me that it's impossible that I did all the same work as them. And like graduated when I with still doing all the training that I did. But it was an easy way for me to like shift focus and say, okay, I can spend 
a few hours hard work studying doing this and then when I just wear out of that and I get tired I can go and and train and training is hard but it's a different kind of hard and it makes me feel good in a different way and it makes me feel accomplished and then I'm able to come back and refocus and do some more reading or whatever it might be and so that balance was very good for me because you know the the CrossFit side was was like a hobby or a sport for me that I enjoyed um and despite the fact that you know we don't for us you basically like you train or you practice like many many more times than you than you compete um it was just like it was fine and it was fun to go compete and spend or to go train and spend some time at the gym with people and learn new skills and build new foundations but the i'd say the hardest parts of that stuff was always um was like it's social like it's it's that when I'm at the gym, it's less of a social environment for me uh, because I'm, I'm focused on what I'm trying to do. And it's sort of like work uh, as much as I try to make it not feel like it sometimes like it, you need to be uh, working diligently on what you're doing uh, and you can't be constantly distracted. So I'm, 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 I don't look at the gym as, as like my social place. Like a lot of people do, you know, you go to a CrossFit class, you get your, hour of fitness in you see some friends you chat and then you go home and that's like that refreshes you in a different way for me it was like it was still it's still work it's just a different kind of work uh and then you know when you get to stressful times of the year where i have exams and for years the regionals and my final exams were around the same time mm -hmm. so i would be like training for regionals which is like one of the highest stress stress moments of our season and also trying to study for exams and then, you know, like my, any of my, t my downtime was just like, <laughs> I was trying to like sleep or something. Right. And so you kind of, I'd come home and in my, I'd like vent and bitch with my roommates and they'd kind of, uh, it was funny. Like we'd get on the other side of it and they'd laugh and they'd be like, you know, you'd like come home and be like rattled about something from the gym or whatever and have to just start studying right away. And he's like, we knew it had nothing to do with us, but we just like, we just were like, uh, we, we'd hit the ball back to you and you'd just <laughs> try to sort of get, get through it on your own. But, uh, right. Like those were like every waking minute of the day was spent trying to do something productive. Uh, and it's hard to not have any time to just like relax and refresh yeah. And so certain times of the year, you might train it a little bit more relaxed or it's more building phase and it's less stress, but then, you know, sometimes it's stressful and it, it is work. And then it, when those work periods coincide with other work periods, there's like, there's not a lot of room in your life. So, uh, and like, yeah, socially, you just have to say no to things sometimes and focus on the things that you want to do. Um, and that is super challenging. Fortunately, because I lived with roommates, I think that I got that social environment all the time because I was, I just like lived in it. So I had mm. enough people there that in the mornings or in the evenings, I was hanging out with friends. So I didn't have to go out of my way to do that. And so it was a little bit easier from that side. But um, yeah, it was, I don't know. It's, those were probably the worst times. I bet you exams, exam time slash regional time was like the highest stress I could be. Mm. Uh, and I remember uh, if I, if I may answer part of the question, Michelle, because yeah. Pat, when Pat came into the CrossFit world in 2014, I remember it, it, it's always been big breakthrough moments. Uh, I remember at the Canada East Regional in 2014, everyone uh, at the, the famous workout, the 50s, everyone was waiting, was looking at Simon Paquette. They were like, this guy's going to win it. Uh, you know, he's going to make his way back to the games. And out of nowhere, 
Pat won the workout. So that, that was one of the first breakthrough moments. And that's where we actually got to know Pat. And on that year, we started, you know, uh, training together at Plateau with uh, Alexandra and Simon and all these people. And Pat always made it look so easy. He still does it. But uh, even at that moment. I when don't know. He I've was, seen Pat struggle. Yeah, me, me too. The only time I saw him struggle at that time was 15.5. He was hungover as shit. He had a cold and he still managed to do like sub six or something. But he struggled. And, uh, I, don't that, even, I don't even remember what that workout is. I think it was the uh, rowing and thrusters one. Yeah, rowing and thrusters, the oh, most God. disgusting workout I ever. He was, yeah. he was lying right next to the dumbbells at the end of the gym. <laughs> and he was coughing for about an hour and a half. It was crazy. But anyway, I, that breakthrough moment, the, the, the moment I saw him, I realized how focused and uh, driven he was, was at the, the East Regional in 2016. Uh, when actually yeah. after the first workout, he, uh, ruptured his tendon, uh, biceps tendon, by the way, uh, is your bicep still twitching I, after uh, like three weeks? Yesterday, I, didn't, <laughs> I don't think yesterday did at all. That was the first day. And like, uh, I legit up feel responsible for that. It was 12 days, I think 12 or 13 wow. days. Wow. Anyways. So I remember after that workout, I, uh, I had this moment where, uh, I stopped, com I, my my first workout was done also and i went to see you in the athlete area at the the uh, at the arena and you were sitting all alone and looking nowhere with your your eyes like you, you were not it seemed like you were not even there mentally and i was like you okay hey bro he was like you're you just said i worked so hard for i worked so hard to make my way to the games individually and I can't believe it's going to stop here. And I was like, oh, my God. And the only thing I could tell you is just to hug you and leave. Because I, 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 I would get so emotional by seeing you uh, with your uh, biceps thing. And uh, I have a nap. I know I just look at my phone and Patrick Vellner places second on regionals, Nate, with strict muscle ups. And, and I was like, How does what that happen? is he doing? What <laughs> happened? And I don't know. I'm pretty dramatic, hey? <laughs> yeah, that, that was... Uh, I'm very dramatic in competition. <laughs> Even though you were my, my friend for, what, two years? We, we lived the games together in 2015 also. Uh, so many moments. And that's where I realized actually how resilient you were and how driven and that nothing would stop you. And I was like, yeah, look that's at this like, guy. That's like the old um, uh, house shoes, you know? Like no matter how banged <laughs> up. They're still good, you know. They're so good. <laughs> I like but that. I think, um, I think, yeah. I honestly, one of the briefings that I think Pat and I had after the games in 2018, I want to say, was that we had to clean up. We had to clean up his competing because he, it felt like everything was like unraveling around him every time. But he managed to fucking top, <sighs> like place top. I don't know how he did it. But like yeah. the example of that is the finale. Like all you had to do is not fuck up in your second place, but somehow a stray plate. <laughs> oh, I remember. Like, I remember it I'm well. in the stands and I'm like, all you have to do is not fuck up. <laughs> you only had one job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Couldn't be easier, right? Just move the 600 pound yoke over to there. But it's crazy. I mean, what do you mean? You still managed to step on the podium, but if you look at yeah. every year, 2016, 
You went from a ruptured tendon at the regionals to second place at the games, uh, third place, sorry. Uh, 2017, slow start at the games, still managed to step on the podium again. Uh, no, 2017 is the Gerard thing, right? Yeah. You're fourth yeah. and up to third. So another uh, great moment of resilience there. Um, 2018, same thing. And now 2019, I guess, uh, if there are games this year or next year, you'll learn not to step on the line or something. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it makes a few smarter decisions early in the competition. Uh, it is funny. I think that like overall, I've had more competitions where I've had issues than I have had clean runs. And I don't think you get a lot of like flawless runs in a career. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. I think that that's okay. I think that what, what I know about myself is that I'm uh, stubborn enough maybe that I, it won't, it won't stop me. Uh, and I don't, I don't turn off and I don't, I don't quit on things when it gets hard. Which so is a very good thing. I think that a yeah. lot of, a lot of that at the, at the games level um, and at any competition that's multiple days, we always see that as it wears on and people and the leaderboard leaderboards take shape, you, you often see that in the last day, the top five people will remain and will continually be top five in those events, even though, you know, somebody else might be way better suited for that just because of the momentum. And like, if you feel like you're in the race, you're putting a little bit more of yourself out on the floor. Whereas yeah. if you're 15th or 20th and you think you're just out, people just drag their heels around. And I've seen it a million times. Uh, and it's annoying when you need somebody to, to do well to middle someone you're trying to beat. But, uh, you know, I think that there's a few athletes who really get that and do it really well that like whatever place you're in on the last day, it doesn't matter. 300 points on day one and 300 points on day four are the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's a huge amount of movement that can happen. And I think that I, I've done a good job of that on some of those years where I needed to make up ground and I do, um, you know, like Wadapalooza this year was another good example where like I had, had, I had to win both events on the last day to win the competition and I did. And the, you know, like Cole Sager, who I ended up tying and beating on the tiebreak in that competition, is another guy who does that extremely well. Where yeah. like a lot of years, he's in like fifteenth going into the last day, and then finishes like fifth or fourth or yeah. something. Like, yeah, he does. He does. That like, what time. happened? Where did he come from? It's like he didn't come from. He just worked hard on the last day, just as hard as he did on the first day. And like other people who started to sort of fade off, got overtaken. Right. So I think that. That's something that I, I, I know about myself that I do very well. Uh, and it's nice to have that card in your back pocket. So but it's not one that you want to use all the time. And I, I have a question, though, about that. Probably more than I'd like. So what do you think? Do you think can you think of a turning point or many in your life from A to where you are now that could be somewhat um, responsible for that attitude? Uh, I don't know. I think probably mostly sports, especially because this, like I use this in a sports context. Um, and I think that both my major sports and gymnastics and lacrosse have a big role in that. Um, and I think that it's like in gymnastics, you don't like, you'll, you'll fall on events and things like that. But the competition in that sport every event is also ranked individually. So you can still make finals on certain events. Like if I, if I fall on the first event of the day out of six and my old, my all around score is junk now, 
I can still like, you could still win five medals. Like you can still do great things mm-hmm. if you can get your shit together and refocus and move on. Um, and doing that a lot at a young age, I think uh, is very, was very helpful. And I think that that's one thing that most other mainstream sports give us that prior to the sanctionally kind of style, you didn't get as much in CrossFit is that you don't get as many repetitions in competition. Um, so to, to mm. really like develop a skill, it takes a lot of, a lot of reps and, uh, and co- competing and competition, you know, attitudes and awareness are our skills as well. Right. And being the kind of person who doesn't get competition anxiety, like you see that get in people's way. And that's something you develop by a lot of competition exposure so doing that at a young age, I think, was super helpful. Lacrosse is a, a, like a very competitive sport where you physically compete against other people and try to either beat them mentally or physically. Like find a way to to you know impose your will in a certain situation. So I think that that was another one that like, and, and it's like hockey in the same way where like you know you can have a comeback in the last period and win a game. Like you can't you can't quit early. Like you don't punch out until it's over. Um, and so those sort of having good coaches in those sports at a young age, I think helps to reinforce those sorts of things. Um, and I don't know, just like, I think that you internalize that stuff over time. And I think that it's just understanding that, you know, big things take investment, right? So like sometimes it, you're not going to like in anything, like in these competitions, you don't win it in a day, you don't win it in two days. Like it's, it's a sustained effort over a long period of time. And it's sort of this like, law of large numbers type scenario and so that sort of stuff can be applied in you know to my schooling or anything where you know like day to day like it might kind of suck but it's sweet when you have a degree and then you have a, a a great career down the down the road like to me that was always super important as well where like I had a lot of people after you know 2016 or even 2017 saying that I, I need to go full-time CrossFit if I ever want to win whatever and you know that's great but I would rather work really hard and stay on the path I'm on and then have, have both things. Like I think I can have both things, frankly, and have like my, my safety net and have my career that I can work in for another 30, 40 years, uh, as well as have a good career at the CrossFit games and, and, you know, be successful and have fun and compete. Well, the Uh, proof is in the pudding, man. You've been putting it for the past years, right? Well, and it just, yeah, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time, but it's, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's sometimes boring things repetitively over years, but like, that's what it is. It's just, but it's funny when, when we look at your, uh, your, all your past and your career as a, uh, in, in sports, as an athlete, uh, I mean, I guess you started, I'm assuming there, you started doing gymnastics competitively, uh, inspired by your older brother, right? Who's a, who's an absolute animal. I see his Instagram all the time. And, uh, and, but looking also at lacrosse, we often, we often overlook this sport, uh, because it's not so popular, but it's so hard and you have to develop such a big, uh, aerobic capacity to actually perform in that. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So that you were doing both already aerobic capacity, strength, and gymnastics at such a young age. It's no surprise that you just had to learn how to move a barbell and uh, you already had every background you needed. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. uh, strength, I would say raw strength was my biggest gap when I started. But for sure, like that, 
and again, like those sorts of things, that's, that's training age, right? Like you, you, I've been training and competing from the time I was very young. So even though I, I started relative to people now, I started CrossFit like very old. <laughs> and I was like, went yeah. to, when I started CrossFit basically in end of 20 or 2013 or 2013. And then, yeah, like went to the games the first time at 26, whereas like now kids are going when they're like 14. Or like you know that people qualify <laughs> well, not anymore when they're 19 20 um yeah. so it's it's super impressive and i mean but i think that those years of investment in other sports aren't lost there like that's not nothing like that's those are super super useful skills and super useful things and i think most of the highest end athletes that you see at the games level are people that have had long careers in other sports and like i said i think it teaches you a lot of things um skills from just repetitions and um it's yeah like lacrosse was one and i know people don't know that as much because i think everybody gymnastics has more direct translation to crossfit so a lot of people focus on that but i mean i I think that stuff like the my my stubbornness i would say it comes from that Mm -hmm. like never giving up on a play and never giving up on on things like that and 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 having to like battle with people and, and do things like that and being put in very difficult challenging situations and having teammates rely on you that you can't let down uh, I think that a lot of that that like stubbornness and willing like never 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 giving up on something is from that like that's not really from gymnastics training in gymnastics is is difficult because you fall a lot and and you know that's how you learn anything so I think that that's an important lesson that you're never going to do something right right away and it can take you a lot of time falling on your head before you figure it out um, but you know, it's, it's a bit of a different lesson to be tenacious and willing to like compete until you like you die. So, uh, that's not really the same in gymnastics and lacrosse, but I think that, yeah, they both have their place in CrossFit. So they've been super useful. Um, but yeah, I've been, mm. I've been fortunate with those sports and background. And like I said, I had great role models with my brothers and my, my parents were always really, really supportive in our sports development and I think just taught us good lessons about like having to work hard and you know good things take time and so we definitely were super lucky now we've been serious enough I want to know uh you talked about Wadapalooza and how you had to win the last two events to actually win your second straight uh uh let's talk about the real things here Travis Williams was leading at Wadapalooza for the first two days of competition which was you know uh hi travis awesome yeah which is (laughs) but how was it i know you guys are doing open humiliation every year and travis is quite the trash talker and how was it backstage dealing with it was he like running around and saying hey guys i'm gonna crush you all all weekend you guys suck and (laughs) going at it travis is funny because he doesn't like we were in that trash talk group leading up to the the competition and like we'd fully talk about the workouts and like I the other thing about Travis is the way a workout's going to be for him is not how it's going to be for me like we are just different athletes and so the Travis has two speeds either he's uh no more gas in the tank or he's going 100% all the time yeah and I mean that's why he's a great team athlete well he's a great athlete but I mean it's completely different from the way I view things and it, it just like I can't think the way he thinks and I don't think he can think the way I think. And that's, so it's fine. Like, and so we'll talk about it and be something like the, that weight or ruck bag running the loose workout. Uh, 
we yeah. did it. And he's like, oh, that's an air squat workout. And I was like, I don't think it is, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think it's a running workout. And he said, uh, you know, he said it's all about the air squats. And if, if you could do your air squats in like whatever, a minute and a half every round, you win. And I was like, dude, if you can, if everybody can do the muscle-ups, if they weren't really a thing, regardless, like you're going to spend, like if you're a fast runner, you'll probably spend like five minutes running each round, four and a half with the bag and i'm like yeah so if you're but if you're air squatting like how long are you going to spend on air squats to do 50 to 100 like probably not four and a half minutes three minutes two and a half minutes so like to me i was like the, the math doesn't work but travis is like no nah, it's all air squats and to be fair for him he he's just not a great runner and he knew it but he knew he could make up ground on people on the air squats and he did in the end he like he passed i think three people on the last round of squats so it's just like, and you know, we sit on the rower, we're talking in the back and he's like, well, I'm trying to figure out what kind of split you have to row. And he just is like, I don't know. I think I'm just going to row like a, like a 135 until I can't anymore. And then just see what happens. <laughs> I'm like, Travis, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but then he came he like that. third in that workout. Yeah. He got, he did really Our good. Second, I think actually. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super well. And it was funny. Like he just like didn't die off in that time limit. He, he had enough gas to hang on and, it was amazing. And I remember seeing him at like the four minute mark start to dip into the forties. And I was like, he's gone. He's dead. And then he like, he just like hung on to it. I see him so much sitting on the rower and telling Patrick Vellner, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to row 135 until I die and try to keep up. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like I, I'm not, <laughs> some people, he might suck into that, but I'm not the guy. So I was like, Hey, if you can do that, that's awesome. You might win. But like, I, I don't think I can do that. And I'm not going to try just because he wants to be doing it. <laughs> Like before we did the loose workout, he like, he was in the far, the first lane out the, the run. Yeah. So at the like standby call, he, he like looks over. So we have like 10 seconds before we go. And he's like, I'm about to run the fastest 200 you've ever seen. <laughs> and he knows he's not a runner. He just wanted to run a super fast 200 to see who would run with him. And then he was going to slow down. And then he was, for him, it was a squat workout. So I, I stayed reasonably close and I passed him after like the first lap, but I was just like, as if you're out here, you're like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? So he's hilarious and he has so much fun competing and he's an awesome, awesome athlete. One of the best things oh, about he's him amazing. is I think he reminded a lot of people that he's actually legit. He's very good. Um, and I think that the, you know, he's boom or bust. So when he, when he behaves like that, it either works or it really doesn't work. And so he doesn't, he, he takes some hits on some events. And I think he actually, to his credit, was not trash talking anybody, really. He's just very like, what you see is what you get. He will look you right in the eye and tell you, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go unbroken so, on this whole thing. He's so genuine. Like, he's yeah, so you're genuine. like, wow, you really shouldn't, Travis. That's a really bad idea. And he'll be like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And then he will, or he'll try or whatever, but he'll like, he'll do exactly what he says he's going to do. He doesn't play games with you. He'll fully just say it and then do it and you're like wow that was that was like a bad idea or that was incredibly <laughs> impressive depending on the scenario so he's really funny and it makes you think because you're like if he's saying this like he might can he do that can i do you that? should I I like learning he's a good example of how some overthink and some don't overthink but i think he's an example of kind of the um uh the 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 raw athlete like just go just oh, yeah, give it your so all wrong. just just go so it's like 
And as the sport is getting more evolved, there's less and less of those raw athletes. That's how people used to compete. Like back in 2010, 2011, that's how people competed. No one had this like, mm-hmm. oh, what is this workout? How many, how, what's the volume like and percentage of what I'm capable of on a training day? That there's nothing, there was nothing like that. It's like, oh, I think I'm going to do it like this. And then when I feel like I can't, then I'll just kind of go and play by ear. Do you and, know who um, was exactly like that? Jason yeah. Kalipa. Jason Kalipa yeah. was exactly like that. And, and he then he hired play. Hinshaw and then he won the games. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I don't know. I love it. Travis yeah. is so endearing to me because he just like, he's great. And yeah, so that was actually super fun. And he was, he was like making side bets for the whole competition. While he's con- <laughs> he was like making bets with Fikowski over things that, because it'd be stuff like that. He'd say like, oh yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to do all the muscle ups and loose unbroken. And we'd be like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, I will. I bet you 20 bucks. <laughs> like, okay. But the rule is you can't just stand under the rings forever until you do your muscle-ups unbroken. You have to do them all unbroken and finish in the top 10% or 20% of the field. And he's like, all right, deal. Oh, <laughs> my like, God. Oh. Uh, so he he broke in making... the last round, hey? Yeah, he did. So he yeah. didn't end up. Uh, That's why. I, I actually was on the floor calling this heat. And I was like, wait, did Travis do two rounds unbroken still? Still unbroken on the rings. And I was saying that on the mic. While Travis yeah. is still going unbroken on the rings, that's pretty Yeah, I think he did. And, uh, and uh, now I know that it was only to win 20 bucks. Too. Like he, but that was the thing. Like in the, Going into the last round, and this is what we knew when we made the bet, is we were like, <laughs> you might come into the last round and be doing all right, but if you're going to be competitive, you might have to break it or you might have to stand under the rings for a minute and then like watch like five or six places slip away so it's just like what yeah are you but it's do? an air squat workout it's okay yeah yeah oh and i mean that's what he did like i think he came yeah. off the, he probably came off the rings in like ninth and then finished fourth yeah yeah he picked guys up. Last, but anyway he was like so he was fun he was making bets on his his own performances and then in, and some most of the time i would say he was losing the bets classic <laughs> he so he cost him a lot <laughs> He was betting was on the wrong things. He's like betting on the events where he thinks he's going to crush it and he's like overestimating his capacity. But what he did amazingly well at Wadapalooza was things like taking second on that rowing workout, like nobody saw that coming. No. So it was just like, he should have put a bet on the rowing workout. Being like, oh yeah, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish the pace race. And I think only him and like, there was like four guys that finished the pace race or five. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just like, if he'd have bet that, probably would have been like, yeah, I don't think he will. And then he would have won that bet. But uh, he was, like, betting on things that he thought he would crush. Like, doing the nine lives, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, sub three minute. And we're like, no, I don't know if you will. <laughs> oh, my God. This workout was this workout was something. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a hard one. Let me uh, – I have one last question. I don't know if Michelle has uh, some other to ask her. Uh, and I feel like I have to ask it because uh, a lot of people are actually asking me about this. But you guys went from – training partners i mean from friends to training partners or all of that together and then having this relationship as um coach and athlete and it's been going on for years so you guys are probably one of the old couples of crossfit can i say that or something like that it feels and, weird when you say that yeah and anyway, especially that my name is michelle but anyway <laughs> i just like i just it's funny actually too that i don't i don't feel like i've been doing it that long still So you know, I feel like every year when we come, like, you know, this would be my, what, like fifth games, six games. 
15, yeah. 16, 17, 18, 19. Well, 20 so would be the fifth year. Fifth year is an individual. So, yeah, that's so like... I, I counted 2015 like that. Oh. I counted 2015 in the mix. No, no, because 2020 would be my sixth year, including... 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're, you're the doctor. I'm just. Yeah, I also use my fingers on that one, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it doesn't feel like that long, but I, I think you're probably right. There's, uh, I mean, other than I'm sure there's some other coach relationships that have been super long-standing, but but no, I mean, you guys, if it's you, not broken, you, don't fix it. You, you guys, you guys have a great relationship, but you guys are also two. Um, I'm going to say positively stubborn people. I mean, it, it, it bring you places. Michelle had a great career as an athlete. He's having a great career as a coach. Uh, you're having a great career as a chiropractor and also an athlete. Uh, does sometimes you guys argue on anything? Or are you guys uh, like, uh, hey, Pat, you got to do this. Okay, but Michelle, uh, I'm doing this, but why? Or is there anything that uh, in that, you know, relationship, you guys are laughing about it, but have to talk through or uh, yeah, no, a never. while ago. We, we never, we never do that. A while ago, <laughs> someone asked me, it must be hard to have uh, Patrick at a distance. You know, he's like always working remotely. I'm like, actually, it's probably the best thing for us to be remote <laughs> <laughs> because, because you're right. Like I'm stubborn, Pat's stubborn. And and to be honest, like the first year of me coaching Pat, I remember calling Fred and, and Fred, my boyfriend, and I was like, um, he's going to fire me. Like, we're not going to work together anymore <laughs> because um, I'm insanely sensitive. And Patrick, when you get nervous, he says it how it is. And I was like, kind of, I was really, really, really nervous. Um, but it, you know what? I think that uh, on my perspective, this relationship, I think, has allowed me to like learn a lot. Um, I think Pat is one of the athletes that he makes me think a lot about me um, in the sense that I, like when I was an athlete, I questioned a lot. I wanted to know why I was do doing certain things. And I also didn't want to be told things that, that were super superfluous to me, like um, a spiel about uh, like, um, like a motivational speech like that doesn't get me it kind of makes me feel like shit sometimes so I felt like um when I was when I when Pat, when Pat and I worked together it makes me think a lot about me when I would question a lot of things and I would I would kind of like give my opinion about certain things and I always remember how I wished my coaches would talk to me when I had those questions and mm -hmm. in doing so, I feel like we've kind of gotten to, I am 100% 100%, uh, 100 um, uh, comfortable with, that, with the fact that Pat will always tell me if something is reasonable or not. And there's always um, an understanding like uh, what, I, what I wrote is actually unreasonable because I wasn't thinking properly and, and like something wasn't right. Um, and then there's, and um, now I'm very uh, adamant about saying like, no, you can do this. Like, don't tell me you can't do this because you, you're fucking second fittest in the world. So you can, you can do this. It's just difficult and you don't like it. So I think we've gotten to a point where we have great communication. I trust that Pat understands that sometimes I do things 
for reasons that are beyond physical adaptation and physical training and in doing so and because like really my background although i'm very curious and i want to know things my background is very artistic and pat's background is very uh scientific so we kind of like sometimes butt heads but it, it works out really well because it becomes a balance of striving for something that is raw and but also being pragmatic and practical about things but despite that I background i mean i michelle I, i i've known you for longer than pat but i i've seen you guys from uh, a distance or a close distance can i i mean i've competed alongside both of you uh i i saw you guys at regionals at the games and i i can think that um from my, my point of view you guys are pretty similar like you oh, said yeah. you, you don't need a you don't need a motivation <laughs> speech you don't need that kind of stuff i mean i i remember that you at first at at regionals you, you wouldn't even like if we were going to talk to you on, on right before you would go like you were in your zone and not even fred would talk to you uh and i feel like pat is the same pat is uh and it's not bad i mean i'm just saying that uh Oh, Michelle's in her zone. She's getting ready. I mean, you don't need, I'm the kind of athlete that would need a motivation speech like, hey, let's go and pump up and all that stuff. And I feel like you guys are complete opposite of me, but you, you are very similar. Do you see a lot, uh, a lot of that in Patrick and vice versa? I mean, do, do you- Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Pat voices his opinions like the same way I would, right? What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's part of the reason we work so well. And I, I mean, I trust Michelle's vision when it comes to the coaching and I, but I want to know, I want to know as much as I can about it. And I think that the most, the more that I know, uh, the more involved in it I feel and the more invested I am in the training. And I feel like I can, like the better I can execute whatever Michelle's vision is, which I trust. So I like, I really want to, I feel like sometimes I, I give her a lot of feedback or a lot of messages or a lot of things. because I just like, I want to be, make sure that I'm doing things the way that I'm meant to be doing them in the way I should be. Um, and yeah, like, likewise, like, I think we have very, we're, we're kind of realists over a lot of this stuff. And I think, I think that that's why we kind of find the motivational things a bit hokey. Um, sometimes is that, I know for me personally, like, I don't like it when people are like, I don't know, something as simple as like, when you're going to compete or do something or like, you're going to do a really hard workout and everyone's like, oh, this is going to be super fun. It's like, it's probably not going to be fun. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you that I'm going to feel a lot of things and like amusement and general, like enjoyment is probably not one of them, but this is like, it's type two fun, right? Like, you know, you're going to work really hard and then you're going to be proud of what you did. And that's kind of. I get that. And I know that that's what it is. So don't sit here and tell me like, I think people mistake time. fun for satisfying. Yeah. Like, right. And I like, so, yeah. And you know, like it, we were like, Oh, it's not going to be that bad. Like it is going to be pretty bad. And like, I know that. And so we, we like, we don't, we don't like, we don't, we try not to soften things too often. And I think it's okay. Like it's okay to do for things to be hard. And like, you can do hard things, but like, uh, I think that we are intrinsically motivated enough that we see that. So I, I definitely, I'm not like the, the fluffy, like clouds and rainbows, like everything's going to be awesome when you're training and competing kind of person. Um, and so, and Michelle's not really that way either. So we don't give each other that energy and then it works perfectly fine. <laughs> I think yeah. had we, if we were doing that in either direction, mm -hmm. it would be kind of annoying. So yeah. 
I think that we I think, kind of think generally the same sort of way. And, and so, yeah, sort of I think this year was actually a really good year at Wadapalooza, Pat. Um, and it was, it was where, um, um, so yeah, Greg, you're 100% right. Pat and I are very similar. And I think after Wadapalooza, we had a conversation at the restaurant um, in Miami. Oh my God, that. That dinner yeah. was so good. Yeah, it was, great. <laughs> it was super good. <laughs> that probably cake, over right? A bit. Oh my but, god! So we had a conversation that night, and I remember telling Pat, like, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did, because there's a certain level of uh, hopefulness and uh, rawness that you'll need to kind of surpass plateaus. There's a and and where I fell short and where I should have been mature enough to see I'm going to take Ben Bergeron as an example because he was a very he's a very good coach motivationally and I wasn't able to take a slight percentage of what he said to help myself move forward because that there was a certain level of trust that I needed to have and that I didn't I didn't do I like trust in myself trust in the process this like trust in the universe kind of kind of thing that I refused to do because it would put myself in a, in an emotionally vulnerable position. And I refused to do it. And um, at, in uh, Miami, I felt that there was this moment where as a coach, I had to tell Pat, like, don't make the same mistake I did. As much as we want to be realist in life, if you live like that, you're going to always kind of hide behind that. And it's going to be very easy to find reasons why something couldn't happen when you kind of always rely on that kind of realism um but but um but i get i get it like we're very very similar in certain ways we're very different in certain ways and i have to say that in terms of professional relationships it's been one of the best i've ever had and friendship relationship it's also been a really good relationship like when pat although sometimes pat sends me messages <laughs> at the wrong time <laughs> I really enjoy reading. Him. I wish he people would have been Pat. <laughs> <laughs> but when Pat sends me messages, I enjoy reading them. And like, I'll always remember, like I was walking down the street with my dogs, one conversation Pat had because he was alone in the gym and he was doing rope climbs and both of his calves cramped up. Do you remember that, Pat? <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was the terrible. Te the text that I get from Pat, I wish I can screenshot them and publish them because everyone's like, man, he's so resilient. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> he's so awesome. It looks like nothing could bug him. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was funny. A lot of times Saturdays I'm at the gym by myself. So that was a good one. <laughs> like long session on Saturday. And I was like, we had a ton of, I think we had a bunch of running intervals in the morning. and then Yeah, had, it was before regionals. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I had something with like a bunch of heavy sled pushes and high box jumps and like and rope <laughs> climbs. And it was just like long piece. And I could just, you could just feel like it was a string about to snap, right? Like every round I was going oh through, my oh, my calves are really struggling here. <laughs> and then in like the last round, I jump up and I do like a rope climb. And then when I come down, I, I land and as soon as my feet hit the ground, like both of my calves are just like completely locked up. And it hurts like hell. <laughs> and it was funny because I, I was in the last round and I had told myself <laughs> that in the last round, when you when you land on the on the rope climb, like just like land and jump right away, like rebound. <laughs> so I basically 
I like landed. And so my cows were loaded to jump. And then I, I like still kind of tried to jump, <laughs> but I seized up. Right. So I basically just did this, like, ah, jump, like jumped in the air and just fell on my side. Oh my God. I was like, oh, that made me laugh. If you never had your cows crap, like you're so helpless. Like there's nothing you can do. So I'm like laying on in this and I only turned the lights on in like half the gym because I was only going to be on the one side. But the rope is on the dark side, but it was kind of by the door, so there was enough light. And I just so would I you like, say that you went to that dark, the dark place, screaming. You went to the proverbial dark place. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, having a having calves cramp uh, hurts like hell. I mean, it's it's you, you don't get yeah. to imagine how how this. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it, if it was time. if Those it was before regional moments. <laughs> that we see in training those are the moments behind the like yeah the podiums at regionals and things like that yeah. but if you don't get these moments before regionals you're you're doing it wrong i mean yeah, i won the east regional that year yeah. yeah yeah it's all worth anyway. it oh, man. now uh, it's just a funny story at the time it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> It that's, makes me that's the best yeah i'm pretty sure like when stuff like that happens i'll like type michelle a full novel like narrative explaining <laughs> the whole thing it's like, like it's like she was there watching it which is what i was hoping for because it was honestly so funny i i wish we had security cameras or something running that you oh my god i would have loved uh, to watch that fall over and over just again. see pat collapse and roll on the floor screaming <laughs> oh for like 10 minutes and like no one's coming to help me like i'm here by myself on saturday and I'm, like, ah, 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 ah. I'm just i'm just it's playing so this video in my head and it's so funny i'm gonna have it for the rest of the day oh, it's, it's just glorious it's just glorious well yeah. uh pat thanks uh thanks for taking the time man it's uh and one thing's for sure and it's that pe people might probably not know you personally but uh when we knew each other you were this guy that just walked in at crossfit plateau and that that's when we met and i can tell that from that day to today when you, you're just one of the most famous crossfitters uh on the scene um, right now and one of the most successful as well you haven't changed a bit you're probably a little less of a party animal yeah but, but he wears uh, rompers now definitely i'm older yeah a little bit older but uh, still the the same funny genuine guy and uh super humble and i think that's what makes your uh, your success and that that's why people like you so much so i mean thank you and just keep it up man i appreciate that greg thank you thanks pat you've been great as per Thanks, usual. Michelle. Thanks for everything. <laughs> it was oh. great. It was it it was it's good to get to know athletes on a personal level. It 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 keeps it I always find that that uh we even we see athletes like amazing, but they're people and, and they have stories and they have they have qualities that are that are well worked and, and everything, but it's good to get to know people on a very profound level. So thank you for that, Pat. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Love Cheers. you guys. Love you too. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this episode of Nankurunaisa podcast. On behalf of Michel Latendre and myself, we wish you a very good day. Thank you for tuning in, sharing this episode, giving us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platforms. And also, if you feel like it, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash mish and greg 
you can give us a little uh, financial support here so we can keep on improving our episodes until then have a very nice day take good care of yourself and see you soon